Trinity Church. I was coming ready to preach the Word of God today, and it seems like I am locked out today. So I'll probably have to do it from out here. I just don't know if we can actually proclaim the Word of God outside of the doors of this church. Actually, as I say that, it makes me think of, of a story. I don't know if you've heard, but it is a tradition here at Trinity uh, that our teenagers once a year, uh, along with their youth pastor and sponsors, play a game called Lockout. Uh, it is a game where um, all of uh, several of the sponsors get to be inside the church and all of the teenagers are locked out. And so then they choose one door that is open and the teenagers run around the building like crazy trying to find the one door that's open. When they go inside, they're trying not to get tagged. And if they get tagged, they're back outside. So this year, something uh, sort of uh, funny happened uh, during lockout. My daughter texted me very late at night and uh, I opened up the video and it starts with, I have a bone to pick with one Jared Fitzgerald. Uh, later, I found out that um, she had finally found the door to get into the building and then uh, Jared tagged her and back she was outside. Uh, but something very interesting uh, in her voice, I could feel, I could sense both exhilaration and terror. Uh, she was uh, afraid because she was uh, running around the building at night, but also there was this exhilarating feeling. Uh, right now, uh, I think we all feel a little bit of those emotions. We're locked out of the building, uh, and yet uh, th there are some fears that are going on in the world and even fears about what church will look like and all of those things. But at the same time, I think that this time is causing in the Church of Jesus Christ an exhilaration, an exhilaration because we see that God is at work. We see that God is pivoting, that God is moving the church in a direction it didn't uh, envision going. And, and we're trying to press in to hear what God is saying. Uh, so today we're going to, to learn of a couple stories in God's word uh, that I hope will bless your heart. Have you heard the story of the first church of Jesus Christ? It is found in Acts chapter 2, verses 40 through 46. Listen to these words. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accept his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and good, they gave to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Here we find a body of believers who is witnessing, who is saying, I too have seen the risen Savior. And on top of that, they have experienced the infilling of the Holy Spirit. So they're saying, I've seen the Savior and his spirit lives within me. 
And what they are finding, brothers and sisters, is that they need each other, that they need one another. They are, they are finding that it, is, that it is key as a church, as believers, to spend time together. The words that we find here is that they were devoted and that they continued on daily doing these things. They, they spent time, they invested. Those words are time signature words. It shows that they were invested into one another. They loved each other and they needed each other. In, in, in the book of, uh, of Acts chapter 2, just prior to what we read here, we see that the day on the day of Pentecost, that, that there were some that, that believed, but there were others that were confused and that were agitated at what was happening. That actually becomes the seedling of the persecution that will begin and take place. In chapter 4, we find that uh, persecution is becoming intense. In chapter 5, we find that apostles were jailed for their faith in Jesus Christ. And in chapter 8, we see that it is full-blown persecution. The, the church is scattered. And in the midst of this, this church, this body of believer needs one another. They need one another to bandage each other's wounds. They need one another to uplift and to encourage and to push and encourage one another on towards love and good works. They offer of their time. They're, they offer of their resources. When one of them was in need, when the church was in need, they were the first to step up and say, here is what I have. And their witness their being together with one another, their witness, then enhances their witness in the world. People look at the church and they begin to praise God. They begin to have favor among people and then others become converted. And those that follow Jesus, we know of the 12 disciples, but then those that were in the upper room on the day of Pentecost, we know are 120. And on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 converted. So here is a church of, of about 3,120 people. The first mega church of Jesus Christ we find here in Acts chapter 2. And the word of God tells us very clearly that they were invested with time and with resources. Have you heard of this other story of the church in Macedonia? In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, the first five verses. And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. Here is another church empowered by the Spirit of God. The Macedonian church had also experienced severe persecution. The word tells us that they were going through severe trials, but yet they were empowered by the Spirit of God so that even in their time of trial, even in their time of need, even in their time of tribulation, we find them being generous to their ex-enemies. 
because the church in Macedonia is full of Gentile believers. The church in Jerusalem is mainly uh, believers that, are, that were Jewish. And here we find that they are collecting money, that they are pleading with the Apostle Paul, please, please, begging him the word of God, says, allow us, please, to give. I can imagine that the Apostle Paul maybe didn't even ask them. Maybe he didn't ask them because he knew that they were so poor. What is it that they have to give? They are in the middle of a crisis. They are in the middle of tribulation, perhaps in the middle of a pandemic. They are going through some really difficult times. So the Apostle Paul was maybe giving them the way out. It's okay. Macedonian church, you don't need to participate. You can put your generosity on hold. But the word of God says that this group of believers was so ready to give that they were begging the apostle. Their economy had collapsed. Many of them had lost their businesses. Many of them had lost their livelihood. Some scholars say that, that many of them, they maybe had perhaps one meal a day that they would eat. But when they heard that the people, that the, that the saints in Jerusalem were starving, they began to beg and say, God, please, Apostle Paul, please allow us to participate. For others, trial plus poverty would equal bitterness. Trial plus poverty would equal cursing God and moving on. It would equal anger or, or stomping of the feet and saying, this is unfair or wallowing in the moment. But for the church in Macedonia, for them, trial plus poverty equaled rich generosity. The word of God tells us that they gave as much as they were able. So they looked at their finances. They looked at, at what they had and they gave what they thought was reasonable, what was able. But then they heard that extra, that extra voice of the spirit that we hear sometimes. And that voice propelled them to do even more than they thought was able. He asked them to do and to give above, to give sacrificially. They wanted so much to participate in what was happening and what God was doing that they even exceeded, they even exceeded the expectations of the believers. Scripture tells us that what they did was astonishing because first and foremost, they had given themselves over to the Lord. They had put their all on the altar of God. They had given all that they were. So possessions, they're secondary when your all is on the altar. They held their possessions loosely with an open hand and with an open heart. Martin Luther was one that said that there were three conversions, one of the head, one of the heart, and one of the pocketbook. He went on to say that the one from the pocketbook was the hardest. But these Macedonian Christians, they would not allow anything to deter, deter them from participating in the mission of God. Jesus said this, by this, by loving one another in this way, with extravagant love and generosity, the world will know that you are my disciples. 
pastors, nothing can stop a spirit-filled church. It is, it, it is the most amazing power in the world, a spirit-filled church. Not even the gates of hell can prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. Like the Good Samaritan, the church of Jesus runs towards death and runs towards decay. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7 uh, tells us that God loves a cheerful giver. Now we know that God loves everybody, but it's so interesting that in this, in this verse, we are told that specifically there is something that, that a cheer, cheerful giver uh, does for the heart of God. That there is an emotion that wells up in the God of the universe when he encounters, when he sees the sacrificial giving of his people. Whenever we are sacrificially giving, we are most like God in that moment who gave all that he had, all of his riches, and he became poor like us. Now, that verse shows us, uh, obviously, that, that, that God wants people to give joyfully, that he wants people to give with, with a heart that is, that is joyful, that is happy, that is overwhelmed with, 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 the, with the bounty of God and willing to give to other people. God loves a cheerful giver. But if we look at, at the Greek, that word for cheerful is hilarious. God loves a hilarious giver. And yes, it means happy and cheerful, not bitter, not angry, not giving out of guilt or forcefully, but somebody that, that wants to do it, that is willing to participate and, and, and can't wait to participate in the mission of God. But that is the word also that from which we get the word hilarious, right? So God loves a hilarious giver. What in the world does that mean? There are things in this world that, that just are funny because they're ridiculous. I believe in this passage that God is saying that, that the word of God is telling us that God loves a giver that gives with ridiculous generosity. Uh, one that the world looks at and says, what in the world? Why would they do that? Why would they invest in that way? Why is their way so different than the rest of the world? I want to share a few stories with you uh, from, from, from our own church and from our own history. Have you heard these stories of radical and hilarious generosity? Have you heard the story of how in 1933, Mr. and Mrs. Hickman offered their front yard for services to take place so that the neighbors could hear the word of God proclaimed. That bold act of faith marked the beginning of Murphy's Chapel, now known as Trinity Church of the Nazarene. Have you heard the story of Walt Hintz, who during a pledge drive for a new building facility at Southwest 29th in Indiana, felt very strongly led to raise his hand and pledge $300, although he only made $28 per week. The story goes that on the way home, his wife, Jewel, started crying, not sure how they would be able to pay the $300. About a month later, Walt received a bonus from the state for being a World War II veteran. The bonus was $400. 
Have you heard about how in 1951, Trinity held a 30-day tent revival? Can you imagine the time and resources it took to host that long of a revival? They had 1,000 seats in the tent, and it would get so full that people were standing all the way around it. Have you heard the story of Jack and Pauline Buchanan, who were so convinced that the land at 7301 South Walker was to be Trinity's next home, that they gave the realtor, Lanny Garner, a blank check to purchase it? Have you heard how one of our senior adult lady blesses young women's lives every day through her generous sharing of Bible verses via daily text messages. Have you heard of how Jennifer Lester, Liliana Reza, and Eileen Ruger, all ladies connected to TCN, have served or are serving the Lord overseas as missionaries? Have you heard that the estates of members who have passed on to glory continue to bless the church? They have benefited the church in incredible ways. New vans were purchased recently with estate monies. Also, due to the generosity of the Campbell estate, our impact ministry was able to get started and is now 10 years strong. Have you heard how our senior adults quietly yet faithfully have served meals to shut-ins not associated with our church for over 25 years? Have you heard that over the last few years, members of our church have donated personal vehicles to the church so they can be given to people who need them. Have you heard the story of how our SNU interns have taken it upon themselves to serve our homeless neighbors by establishing friendships and building relationships with them? Have you heard about how one of our families gifted their stimulus check to another family whom they knew was not receiving one? and how several others put a portion of theirs into a benevolence fund without a pastor even suggesting this type of giving. Have you heard of the hours upon hours that volunteers pour into maintenance projects over the church facility, saving the church thousands and thousands of dollars each year? Have you heard that Trinity Church is just 27 payments away from being mortgage-free? The extravagant giving of so many people allows us to stand here now so close to the finish line of being debt-free, believing that our next season will be marked by even greater ministry opportunities. Have you heard how in the midst of tragedy, D. Lee continued to be faithful to the Lord and found the Lord to always be faithful to her? As most of you know, I grew up in a uh, pastor's family. Uh, my, my dad was a minister my whole life. Um, and as we were growing up, uh, we were taught, you know, a life of service and uh, to give and not only of our money, but of our time. There came a point in my life, however, when um, my husband passed away and I found myself a single mom uh, raising two boys on a teacher salary. And I at times wondered, you know, what was I going to do? Uh, but I remembered what my dad said, that you can never outgive God. So I tried to live my faith and I kept uh, giving of all of what I had. Um, and then I realized something that um, it's not really mine to keep. Uh, what I have is God's. It's what he's blessed me with, what he's chosen to entrust to me. And it's not mine to hang on to. Uh, it's really uh, 
just mine for a time, whether that be uh, people or whether that be money or whether that be talents or things that I can do. Uh, it's just mine for a time. And so once I came to that realization, um, it was so much easier to just listen to what God wanted me to do with what I had. And so now if, if I feel that God wants me uh, to give something to somebody or to uh, use my time to help somebody do something, I don't question it. Um, I just go ahead and do it because it's not mine. Uh, it's God's and I'm just a caretaker of it. Uh, I just want to be able to finish my life and God say, you did good with what I gave you. And if I can do that, then uh, it will all have been worth it. Some of the people mentioned here, uh, several of them actually are, are in heaven already today. And I can guarantee you, perhaps they had some regrets in life, but I can guarantee you today that, that none of them walked into the heaven of God and said, I just regret having given that to the Lord. I just, I just wish that I hadn't given so much. I, I just wish that, that, that I had held more for myself, that I had done more for myself, that I had bought more things. I can guarantee you that none of them have regretted every single thing their time, their talent, and their money that they have given to the church, that they have given to God. I can guarantee you that what they're saying is holy, 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 that what they're saying in the throne of God is worthy, worthy, worthy. And what they're proclaiming is we cannot outgive God. Brothers and sisters, even in this season, even in this time that is so chaotic and confusing, even in this time with a global pandemic here and now, I believe that God wants his church to continue to trust him in all areas of life. And money and finances is one of those areas. The Bible talks a lot about money. Jesus spoke more about money than about anything else except the kingdom of God because it's important because where our money is there our treasure is that's what we value the things that we spend on those are the things that we value so even in this season I believe that God wants Trinity Church of the Nazarene to continue to be hilarious givers cheerful givers ridiculous givers so that the world will know, so that the world will look and say, why do they love God? And why do they love others in this extravagant, lavish kind of way? And so that we can proclaim we love in this way because you, God, first loved us. One day, soon, this too shall pass. This pandemic will pass. And five and 10 and 20 and 50 and 100 years from now, people will be saying, have you heard the story of when the church was locked out of their building? May they say of us, the church, 
outside of the walls of this uh, outside of the walls of this building continued to be faithful they were faithful in their witness they were an abiding community they were bold they were a loving community they were a generous people may those that come behind us find us Almighty God, we thank you. We thank you, God, that we can worship you today freely, oh God. We thank you that we can proclaim at the, at the top of our voice that you are our God, that you are our Redeemer. God, I thank you, Lord, that yes, we can proclaim your word outside of the walls of the church. God, we thank you that you've called us to do that. The temple, the church, was never to be a, a, a means in and of itself, God. It was never meant to be the, the full spirituality of people. It was a peace. It was a peace where people were to go to be encouraged and renewed and, and pushed out and propelled to go back into the world to live the mission of God. God, would you allow us in this time that, yes, is a time of fear, but God, would you bring exhilaration into our hearts as well? God, exhilaration for what you're doing, for what you're going to do, God. Would you bring into our hearts a new emotion, God, a new anticipation for what your spirit is doing? God, as we look, God, into the next few weeks and as we celebrate Pentecost, God, I pray that it would not just be another Pentecost that comes and goes, God, that it would not just be another Sunday, another day, God, but in your spirit, through your spirit, God, would you mobilize your church? Would you empower your church, God, to be that dynamic organism that you always wanted it to be, oh God? So even here outside of the doors of this church that you've given us, that people have, that people have invested money, Lord, so that we can worship here, God, remind us, God, would you remind us afresh and anew what our commitment is to you, what the church is and always should be about. God, I thank you that in this season, God, we, we're not nitpicking about things that sometimes we tend to do in churches. You have our attention, our undivided attention. We're gazing at you. We're looking at you, God. We want to be these people that love extravagantly. God, they love boldly. God, make us into this church that truly is a generous people in the way that we live and in the way that we love and in the way that we give. We honor you today in Jesus' name.